Hi, I'm Tristan, and I'm the host of the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the Wadawurrung people and the Easter Bar peoples as the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast was recorded. I pay my respects to their elders past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. The Gravel Cycling Australia podcast acknowledges that Aboriginal sovereignty has never been ceded. It was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. And sometimes you'll go on rides and you'll just, look, just want to hit some different trails and you try try different trails and maybe they're not quite as smooth as what you anticipated. So you, you need something that's going to have that versatility. Um, but also, you know, it, like we said before, if you want to set it up as a road bike, you need to be able to it feel like it accelerates well, that it feels um, stable enough at high speeds. Um, so I think those things are always a balancing act. So <laughs> and I don't say we get it perfect. Like I think there's there's no, even though we have marketed it as an, an N1, I think there's no bike that can do everything. Uh, but but knowing where you live, where you like to ride on holidays, you know, is, is a good place to start. So, Welcome to the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast. Gravel cycling in Australia is booming. From racing to bikepacking to simply getting off the beaten track and exploring the back roads and trails of our outstanding natural landscapes. This accessible subculture is all about community, adventure, and discovering or rediscovering the joy of life on two wheels. Join us as we celebrate Australia's gravel cycling scene and discover the locations, explore the events, and meet the people at the heart of the sport. Excited to have you back on the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, really excited to bring you a great chat today with Brandon from Simpatico Bikes. Simpatico are a brand new bike company based right here in Melbourne. And they're uh, yeah focusing on producing some really uh, stunning titanium gravel bikes uh, across the whole spectrum, but starting with their launch bike, the N1. And we'll hear from Brandon all about the, the story of the brand and, and where they've come from and, and what they're hoping to deliver in the Australian gravel scene. So yeah, really excited to bring you that chat today. Before we get there, I just want to do a quick recap of the uh, Rattle Gravel event over in Adelaide at the Tour Down Under. That event really, uh, I think, showed showed where gravel sits in the Australian cycling scene at the moment. It really took the tour by storm and and seemed to be a real focus of of the media coverage. Uh, certainly, uh, the TV coverage we were keen to talk about it during the main race, and and yeah, it seemed to attract a lot of interest, which is exciting to see for for gravel here in Australia. Had a really competitive start list as we as we discussed at the the preview at the start of the last episode and and that that cream really rose to the top. We saw a, a big main selection in the men's race. Uh, Brendan Cherky Johnson, Tasman Nankervis, and Adam Blazovic managed to escape the pack on one of the climbs and then and then took it into the finish. Adam Adam got dropped on the run into the line, but then he he definitely found a, a second win and managed to get back onto the back of of Trekky and Taz and and they brought it into the line. And it was a really entertaining sprint finish. It was a great coverage on Instagram if you managed to catch it. Uh, Trekkie let out the sprint, but Taz quickly jumped away and and uh, took it out uh, ahead of Trekkie in, in second. And then Adam uh, finished up the podium in third. Taz is probably known more for his uh, his climbing in the, in the Australian race scene. And I, I sent a cheeky DM to him after the race and said, uh, well done. Pretty good sprint for a, uh, for a climber. And he, he quickly uh, replied back that, 
on a day like that, it's uh, it's hard enough that anyone can be a sprinter. So, so congrats to Taz and, and to Trekkie and Adam and, and the rest of the people who took on the race. And on the women's side, it was Brodie Chapman who who took the win. She had a big lead early in the race, but dropped a chain and, and sort of fell back into the main pack, but but still managed to arrive in the, the front group and arrived with uh, Nicole Frayne and, and Heidi Franz, but but Brody got the, the better of them with uh, Nicole coming in second and, and Heidi coming in third. I also got some feedback from some of the uh, sort of the mid-packers and, and they had a really great day out as well, said it was a really well-organized event, stunning roads and uh, great scenery and and yeah, they, uh, they, they couldn't speak highly enough of it. So it sounds like one that we all might have to uh, get down to at some stage. Looking ahead now, we've got a really busy couple of weeks coming up in the gravel race scene, particularly down here in Victoria. We've got the uh, Ballarat Cycle Classic that we spoke about last week. So that's coming up uh, next weekend on the 17th and 18th of February. And then on the 18th of February, we also have the inaugural Sutton Grange Winery Uncorked Gravel Event. And this is being put on by the Bendigo District Cycle Club. Uh, They're putting up a big prize purse, $5,500 prize purse, uh, split evenly amongst the men and women, including a $1,000 prize for the winner. So... We've got some real Bendigo local talent getting down to uh, to support that one. Connor Sens, Australian gravel champion, will be there. He was leading the charge after a strong showing, uh, finishing second in the, the Melbourne to Warrnambool Road race behind uh, another gravel favourite, Mark O'Brien. Uh, Courtney Sherwell will be uh, heading up the, the women's field, and I think she's also race director down there, which is, uh, yeah, exciting to see. And then pretty sure Tasman will be down there as a as another Bendigo uh, favourite son. So, yeah, they, they pump out a lot of real high-quality talent, the Bendigo District Cycle Club. And, and uh, yeah, it'll be, be good to see them all there fighting it out for the inaugural Sutton Grange Winery Uncorked Gravel title. It's a 94.5-kilometre course, three laps of a 27-kilometre loop. It's 100% gravel, so no no tarmac in this one, and uh, 1,317 metres of climbing. So a good, good mix of... Of, uh, of roads there and uh, yeah it'll be so exciting to to see another event on the calendar just want to give a shout out to the sponsors of, of that one the the Sutton Grange Winery uh, the Profound Civil Construction Giant Bendigo Giant Australia uh, the Innes Motor Subaru in Bendigo and, and Schwalbe Australia as well so I think it's important that we continue to show these brands that there's value behind supporting the gravel scene and and yeah just wanted to show our appreciation for their support the following week, we've we've got the GOG, uh, one of our favourites events here at the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast. So, uh, yeah, another one to get down to if you're, you're in the local area. All right, that'll do us for racing chat. I uh, don't usually do this, but I'm going to actually ask you to, to switch off the podcast now. Yep, you heard me right. I want you to switch it off. I want you to head over to YouTube, uh, and I want to explain why I'm doing this. So, I, uh, I filmed the the great chat I had with with Brandon at Simpatico. We also went for a, a beautiful ride together around the the stunning location down at uh, Mogs Creek on the surf coast, uh, around Anglesey and Aries Inlet. Hit the gravel down there, and and I filmed it all and and cut it together and, and made a little video package. And uh, having the the video aspects there will also allow you to to check out the bike, the the new Simpatico N1. The other reason I I wanted to put out some YouTube content, and and this is sort of a little bit close to my heart, um, I I really love podcasting. And one of the reasons I really love it is that it's not driven by this algorithmic discoverability thing. You You don't end up heading down rabbit holes where you get content recommended to you. You pick what you're going to listen to and you engage with that content. And and I think that's a much healthier way to consume media. Uh, unfortunately, what it means for a, a content creator like myself and someone who's sort of putting themselves out there is that podcasts do have a discoverability problem. It's hard for people to, to find new podcasts, uh, even if it's something that they're, they're really likely to be interested in. And 
and putting some content onto YouTube, I'm hoping will allow more people to to find the podcast uh, because at the moment getting getting found can be quite a difficult thing. But uh, to get people to find us on YouTube, we need we need views, we need likes, and we need people to subscribe. So if you'd like to support what we're doing here at the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast, please head over to YouTube. I'll pop the link in the show notes or just Google the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast. Subscribe to our channel uh, and yeah, view the video there that I've that I've made with Brandon and uh, yeah, like and subscribe would be great. That's not to say that um, you know we will always be a podcast first medium, uh, and I, I'm really just doing this to to share a little bit more more content with you but yeah hope it will help some more people to discover the podcast as well as a as an advantage you get to see some great bikes and some some great riding around the Otway foothills and the, the surf coast and the anglesey heath so um yeah that's that's just an added bonus thanks very much guys uh for those of you who are sticking around here on the podcast i'll i'll drop in that chat i had with brandon now we had a great time together. He uh, he rode his his simpatico over from uh, Phillip Island. He, he got on the ferry and then headed down the, the sort of the surf coast track uh, down to uh, Mulks Creek, uh, which is a beautiful little place on the surf coast that I've been visiting my whole life, and it's a, a place I love to ride gravel. We had a great chat about simpatico, where they've come from, what their plans are, and. Uh, yeah, had a look at their their brand new launch bike, the the Simpatico N1. Great to see uh, a couple of guys putting themselves out there, you know, taking a step out into the unknown and and building their own bike brand from nothing. So, really excited to bring you the Simpatico story. And uh, yeah, we'll take you now to a, a beautiful early morning uh, sunrise down on the the beautiful surf coast. Uh, the surf coast often delivers and uh, today is absolutely no exception. What a beautiful sunrise. It's uh, about 6 o'clock in the morning, about to head out and meet Brandon from Simpatico Bikes. So I've uh, been cruising around on one of Simpatico's N1 gravel bikes for the last few months. Um, they, they helped me out in a bit of a bind that I had after I crashed my Canyon Grail into the carport. Uh, so yeah, Brandon's, Brandon's been lovely and uh, keen to, to head out and uh, go for a ride with him around the stunning Anglesey Heath area. And yeah, have a chat to him. Uh, a bit more later today about Simpatico, uh, what sort of their their plans are, what it's like to, to start a brand new bike brand, and uh, yeah, to bring you a bit of the uh, Simpatico story. So yeah, I think we've got a really exciting day in store, and uh, yeah, if the weather stays like this, it's going to be an absolutely beautiful ride. So uh, yeah, keen to bring it to you now. Uh, what a stunning morning it is. Love getting out here, just out the back of... Uh, Eric's Inlet now, just cruising over to uh, meet up with Brandon. And yeah, then we're gonna uh, tackle about a 40k loop on the Anglesey Heath. Oh, corrugations. 40k loop on the uh, Anglesey Heath. Head over to the back of Anglesey and then uh, head up the hill, up to the, uh, the car race testing track at the back of Anglesey there. Loop back around and come down Bamber Road, which yeah, really shook me up the other morning. Uh, I met up with Brandon, going up the head. Uh, just come across to the back of Anglesey and uh, yeah, we have to head up the big hill, so Last time I came up here, I had to get off and walk. So. <laughs> Hopefully, there's a bit more juice in the legs this morning. And uh, yeah, I think we'll get some pretty specky views from up on top. So yeah, looking forward to it. 
halfway up the climb. At least we get our hard business. Real step climb, like goes up real steep, levels off. Getting about halfway up. Brandon's just killing me. It's like another pincher up ahead. Made it to the top. Good climb, no walking this time. And it's yeah, beautiful up here on the top of the hill. Oh, a bit bumpy. All right, welcome back to the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast. Uh, happy to have Brandon from Simpatico Bikes uh, joining us. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the podcast and welcome to uh, beautiful Moggs Creek. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's the first time I've been to Moggs. Um, I'm looking out there on the big blue ocean, um, so you guys can't see that, but uh, if I get distracted, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, we've got a pretty special view here. It's a bit of a spiritual home for me. I've been coming down here for my, my whole life and uh, yeah glad to, to share it with other people and the, the gravel riding around here is absolutely phenomenal so if you get a chance uh just down here on the surf coast come down uh check it out and yeah um we've gone for a great ride this morning uh over to the uh anglesey heath area up the hill um, plenty up the hill yeah <laughs> yeah plenty of hills around here so um bring your make sure your gearing sorted but uh yeah we, we've had a great ride this morning and uh as you might know i've been riding the simpatico n1 for the last month or so um Initially around Melbourne, I've I've ridden it uh, in the Otway foothills over over the back here, and 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 now around uh, around the Surf Coast area, and uh, yeah, keen to to bring you the story of Simpatico Bikes. It's a uh, it's a it's a good one and a local story about a new bike brand, and uh, yeah, I think they've they've got a lot to offer the scene. So, um, Brandon, uh, can you start by telling us a little bit about your background in in cycling, and and uh, yeah, how you came to be involved with Simpatico? Yeah, so I've I've always ridden bikes. Uh, used to ride an old 10 speed to school back in the day. Um, and then sort of left it with a bit when I had young family and, and um, have come back to it again later in life. So, um, yeah, been back in the industry for pretty about uh, eight years now and, um, and back on bikes. So, excellent. And uh, so, how, how did Simpatico start? Like, where, where's it come from? Uh, so it started, uh, Jeff and I, uh, have known each other for about 10 years and then about, uh, about three or four years ago, um, we came, our friendship intersected again and we came to, um, started chatting again and, and found out he was back riding bikes and, and he hadn't ridden a lot before that. Um, and so we just started talking about different ideas, different trends, um, he was talking about getting frames made because he couldn't find what he's looking for. And so we're talking about geometry and, and gearing and group sets and just a whole bunch of stuff. And, and, um, and then about oh, pretty the end of 22, maybe a little bit before that, we thought, why don't we just give it a go? What do we have to lose? You know, it's, we've already been testing a frame for a year. We've got a pretty good handle on the geometry. Um, we've got some connections with some suppliers. Let's let's have a go. So we we made the equipment and 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 launched at the handmade bike show this year. And um, yeah, still still learning as we go, and and still she's still developing future models as well. So um, 
yeah, that's that's the the short story. <laughs> I'm sure Jeff would tell a bit more of a story as well, but um, that's how it really came about. Yeah, excellent. I, I ran into Jeff at the uh, at the handmade bike show earlier this year. I think we had him on the podcast a short snippet. So um, yeah, I, I saw your bikes there for the first time, and and yeah, straight away um. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful machines. So, you're building primarily out of titanium? Yeah, at the moment. Um, that's, yeah, we've, we've already delved in different ideas of different things, but we find titanium a pretty good medium for, for gravel. It's durable. Uh, it's it's reasonably light. It's It's got some compliance in it, um, and it, it performs well. So, yeah. Yeah, excellent. I think... Um yeah, there's a few brands doing doing titanium gravel bikes, and they're they're really popular. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, before we sort of dive a bit deeper into Simpatico, I I saw you rode the Dirty Warney recently uh, on a on a Simpatico. How, how'd you go? How was your day out? Well, I, I only took the call about uh, pretty a week out because the other guy we had lined up to ride um, pulled out. I thought, well, we should get another bike out there. So hadn't done a lot of training, hadn't really umped up my K's or done much training but I had to go um went out a bit hard but I think you get caught up in the sort of the emotion with some of those events um but ha- yeah I had a blast got through um no not a super good time but uh t- just under 11 hours so got got through to the end and survived so <laughs> I think anyone who can survive the dirty morning on on practically no training is, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> has yeah, done I'm, well so uh, yeah. yeah good on you yeah I've done plenty of long days in the past and plenty of multi days of, of long riding so um, you know, mentally I was prepared for it and knew what I was up for. So, yeah, well, I should have mentioned at the start, you just rode over here to Mogs Creek from, uh, from Phil Byland just yesterday, 150 Ks, uh, on the bikepacking rig. So, um, yeah, you've obviously got it in the legs. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's, it's a good unwind. I find the long days on the bike and, um, good way to see parts of the country and the world. So, yeah. Yeah, I think gravel bikes are perfect for that too, right? Like, you, you get yeah. to uh, you get to travel overnight and, and get away from the traffic and find those great campsites. You, you're camping up the top of the hill here tonight, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think gravel's obviously uh, you know the opportunities to to get onto those paths and mm. and uh, into the wilderness is is yeah. definitely part of the appeal. Yeah, yeah, like we did a bit of that surf coast trail on the way here, and and you know if you didn't have a gravel bike, if you had a road bike, you'd just have to stay on that Great Ocean Road and with all the trucks and cars swimming past you so i think um the beauty of a gravel bike is it enables you to to take little segways or to explore different roads that you wouldn't necessarily explore so great so um back to back to simpatico now so where, where are you set up where are you located uh how can people find you yeah so we're we've got a base in croydon which is the eastern suburbs of melbourne for you guys that aren't in melbourne um so yeah we're, we're there we do a lot of riding out of that that base up in the Danongs and um, also a little bit towards King Lake as well. Um, so that, that's where Simpatico is. Um, I live, as, as you mentioned, down towards the Bass Coast, um, so I do a fair bit of riding up there. So I, I think one thing to always think about with gravel when people think, oh, I've got a gravel bike, uh, I should set it up like this person because that's what they told me. But where are they riding? Is it different to where you're riding? You know, like, like here, up in the hills here, you want a decent tyre, you want to lower your tyre pressures because some of those corrugations are pretty heavy and you want, like you said, low gearing. So, whereas if you're somewhere that has some more flatter rail trails and some flatter riding, you don't need that. You can you can get away with 35s and a slick tyre. So, I think gravel is very diverse and it's becoming more diverse. Um, 
on that like on the dirty warning we had i was going past guys on on with 45s there's guys who were on 35 slicks there was guys a few guys on like hardtail mountain bikes as well doing it so you know they're all part of the gravel community and i think we have to sometimes remember that it's not boxed into a certain drop bar certain tire size it can be very diverse i mean um, you've gone to the like the northern grodies a few times and um you see the different kinds of bikes there it's you know <laughs> yeah it's there's a bit of everything down at those rides i remember i came across a guy with a um yeah, you know, full like bike packing rig. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was almost like a monster bike. It was yeah, uh, pretty like impressive. Two point six inch tire. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Simpatico's launching with this, the uh, the N one. Can yep. you tell us a bit about sort of the thoughts behind this particular bike and uh, sort of who it's designed for and and that sort of thing? Yeah. So before I start, the name N one. Actually, we only found that name at the the handmade bike show because Fixio was doing photo shoots of the different bikes. Um, he, he saw our bike and some patico and we, we hadn't really come up with a name for it. And he goes, look, you got 10 minutes, give me a name. <laughs> so he needed a name. So we had this quick brainstorm of a few of the ideas that we were floating around and we're like, well, N1 sounds good. Nice and simple. Um, it means what it says. It's, it's a bike that does a lot of things. Uh, one bike to be able to ride a bit of road, ride a bit of gravel, um, make it your own. So. Sort of a, a bit of a play on the N plus one sort of yeah, theme in in, yeah. in cycling. Yeah. You know, people always think they need another bike, but maybe this one you, you're sort of claiming it could do could do everything. Yeah, I, I think I think it depends on the person. Like you know, if you're someone that's comfortable to change tires or change wheels, I think you can make it a bike that you do a lot. Of, you know, you do your road rides and you do your gravel rides on. Uh, for some people, they might just want to box it and go, look, I just want to add it as a gravel bike. I just want it as a road bike. So. Um, I think there's, yeah, you can make it your own with that sort of, and and within your abilities too. Like you know, for some people, they're they're get a bit scared about changing a tire or or changing a chain or set of brake pads. Whereas others, that's something they like to do. So, was it always part of the plan to to start with gravel? Like, was it always a gravel focused oh, bike I think, company? I think so. Like that's what Jeff and I have mainly been riding for the last few years. Um, Jeff comes from more of a road background and is launched in the gravel that way. I've come from a bike backing mountain bike background and we do a bit of road as well. And so we bring these two different perspectives to it. And so then we've both been riding these gravel bikes. And so we bring the learnings from each learn. And, and I think, I think to it's a lot of, I think we were speaking on the ride today, like, you know, how many cars did we see? I think we saw one, maybe two for the whole yeah, might ride. Yeah, a second one just as we're coming to Mog yeah, Street. Just, just we'll as call it a half a car or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one but, and a half cars in but, two and a half hours. It's, yeah, uh, like, like you know, you're on the road, you've got cars just zipping past you. Um, if I'm on the road, I'll have at least two close calls sometimes on the road, depending on where I'm riding with a car, whereas you don't get that. I mean, sometimes your own ability or your own... A boldness of descending yeah. <laughs> causes you to have a few more close calls, but that's that's part of the fun. So, yeah, I think we were saying they're at more risk from hitting a kangaroo uh, riding yeah, around here yeah, in the morning than, than being hit by a car. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's part and parcel, I guess. Yeah, it is definitely. So, we'll get back to talking about titanium as a as a frame material. You've obviously launched Simpatico with that in mind. So yeah. why, why focus on tie and, and why tie specifically for, for gravel bikes? Um, I, I think there's a 
there's a few things. Is it looks good. <laughs> um, there's the performance and also the 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 durability of the product as well. So it's it's you know if you if you ever owned a, a carbon bike and ridden it as a gravel bike for three or four years, it starts to look pretty tired if you're riding a lot of gravel. Whereas a titanium bike, it it doesn't, and you can actually refresh refresh it. You can repolish it, um, and so there's from that point of view, there's the durability, and then the performance. It, it a bit like steel it adds a bit more compliance to the the ride feel. So um, you know, whereas a, a carbon frame can often feel very stiff. Um, you know, we had some recently who was on a, a Cervelo Aspiro, um, ridden it for many years. Similar geometry, similar enough that it wouldn't too big a jump, and then they jumped on to test one of the Simpaticos and ones, and were blown away by the difference in the ride feel. So I think it's if you haven't ridden titanium, that's a big thing that you notice, even if the geometry is is similar. So yeah, yeah, yeah I think that durability is a real appeal. Um, you know, these bikes get knocked around, right? Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like like the road you were trying to explore the other day. And the, the the all the mud and the you know the stuff that was stuck on the bike. Like if you had a carbon bike, you'd be like, oh, you know, it's gonna gonna chip things off and scratch things up really quickly. So I think that that adds to the being able to explore these roads with a bit more confidence that you're not gonna you know trash your bike. Maybe that's a good segue into the the paint jobs you're doing on these. Um, yeah. Can you can you tell us a little bit about? Um, obviously, a lot of titanium bikes we see it are just raw yep. brushed titanium. Yep. Yep. Um, your ones are, have got this lovely coating on them. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So it's a product. We're using a product called Ceracoat. Um, so it's a ceramic coating. Uh, it's very durable, very and very lightweight and very thin. So um, that means when you're coating a frame, you're not adding heaps of weight. But you're you're also uh, it's it's got that durability, so it goes with the titanium. Um, but also, I think we it adds some nice color. Like it's the colors we're trying to focus on are more, I guess, more earthy, more more natural tones of colors. Um, so and it's and it sort of gives that that contrast. So I think um, yeah, we're, we've we've been pretty happy with. We've tested lots of different colors and. And we, we've started with a palette like this, and I think we've tried to narrow down because we realized that no comp- company offers six or seven color combinations yeah, as yeah. a stock standard. So we, we're trying to narrow it down, and then we can launch new colors and new seasons and stuff like that. Or And we can, you know, if someone really twists their arm, we might be able to do a custom color for them as well. So um, the frame stuff's coating is done locally. Um, so, yeah, that's where we've got bunch of raw frames in stock if you're if you're not sure <laughs> yeah. which way to go so um yeah no, it's, it's good product um yeah and suits the bike i think too yeah it's a it's a stunning finish you've sort of got to see it in person i think it's a real sort of nice matte uh nice matte finish but as you say really really durable and you still get those uh those hints of the titanium coming through and the, the bottom yeah, bracket yeah, and like the, on, the chain on, stays on the logo here that's that's the, the titanium coming through there so it's just a subtle sort of emphasis that it is titanium you know um so when we try to keep like the rear the bottom bracket area and the rear stays just in the titanium because they're the ones that cop a lot of the sticks and you know the rocks and things like that so. <laughs> fair enough and then you got the nice uh color accents on the stem and the, the rear yeah, hubs as yeah, well yeah yeah that's another part that we want to i guess emphasize is having those you know color matching uh 
parts on there or um, contrasting parts, I should say. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think if, if people are going custom or maybe not custom, but going titanium, they're, they're definitely uh, going for an aesthetic. And uh, yeah, I yeah. think this is, is meeting the brief there as well. Yeah. So let's let's talk geometry. Um, you sort of said it was not too dissimilar to a Cervelo Aspero, and uh, I've had a look at the the charts. It's not not that different to the Canyon Grail that I was riding yeah. before. A bit of a longer stem, bit of a, a steeper yeah. um, uh, head angle, but um, yeah, it, it rides very much like a like a all road sort of bike. Is that the the aim? Uh, it's 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 a bike we're trying to blend those genres, like the N plus one. It's sort of you know you want to be able to do a bit a road ride on it in a group ride but you want to be able to put some gravel tyres in it and doing um, you know do a gravel ride so you want that downhill handling to be well so it's it's always a combination of factors with geometry it's your, your head tube angle you mentioned it's a bottom bracket height it's um, you know your chain stay length at the back so there's there's a lot of key factors in it um, and also those things vary between sizes the chain stay length and the, your axle to crown stays the same everything else has to vary between the sizes to keep the same ride feel so that's something we've worked pretty hard at trying to get right um we'll get some more feedback over the years if, if we have done it right or not but um i think you know trying to you know even for those those really tall riders or those really small it's the extremes where you're trying to keep that good ride feel right um so yeah i think i think we, we've ridden it with 28s, 32s um, on the road, or even 35 slicks on the road, um, and then we've ridden it with, as you say, like with 40, 44s on today. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, it ticks all the boxes in riding all those terrains as long as you got the right wheel set up on there as well. Um, the the other factor which we've been talking about a lot lately is is gearing. Like I think you mentioned it today, like when you if you got a ride where you're doing lots of hills. You need gearing to get up there. Especially uh, if you're in uh, my sort of physical condition. You, oh, yeah, you but, need a bit of help. Yeah, but I, I think also, you know, if you if you are going to set it up to do multiple different times of disciplines, you need to think about what gearing you're going to run because you want it to be able to bridge those different things. Also, like when you run bigger tyres, the gearing changes. When you run 28s between 44s, that's a big shift. So, you know, if, you, if you're running 44s, you don't want as high higher gearing you want lower and, and why is that exactly so you got a bigger wheel so it's it's turning it's gearing up actually so you know like i i, I like if you're running a 44 45 you know 46 tooth chain ring is pretty good for a lot of people whether it's a one by wide or a two by um whereas if you go 48 50 with that big gearing it kind of it's it's a little bit too high and you don't and you lose that bottom end to be able to get up the hills and you don't really use the top end because you're pushing a bigger wheel. Yeah. It's it's it takes longer to go around. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Just physics. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit more about this all bike, all road bike sort of category or a, a bike to do it all that, that people talk about. And yeah. and when I was first shopping for my first gravel bike, it was a, a concept that really appealed to me. I you yeah. know, I was living in Melbourne, a lot of lot of road, a lot of I was riding a lot of the bike paths. Uh, I knew that I had the opportunity to come down here, ride some ride some awesome gravel, which is, you know, real gravel and, yeah. and quite gnarly in sections. Yeah. So so I was looking for, you know, my first gravel bike and I wanted it to, to cover all those spectrums. And I, I settled on the Canyon Grail because I felt like it 
you know, I felt like it might have that sort of road bike feel while still giving me the yeah. capability to come out here. After a couple of years of riding it, I guess I was getting a little bit sceptical of the the one bike to do it all mm. platform. And in granted, I never I never really changed the wheels. I never changed the tires. This was a yeah, bike that okay. I'd yeah, left yeah, yeah. I'd left stock. Um, but I sort of felt like on the road, like it just felt a bit long and a bit sluggish. Yeah. And yeah. then you know, out here on the real gravel, I sometimes felt like it maybe it didn't have the tire clearance. I was running forties. Yeah. I think they maxed out at forty two. Yeah. Um. But I also felt like the geometry was a bit limiting. Um, you know, I haven't got the best bike handling skills. I'm an yeah. adult starting cyclist. I, yeah. I felt like it was sort of maybe pushing me over the top a bit too much for the yeah, for the yeah, gravel yeah. around here. So I was sort of wondering, starting to think, you know, is it is it I'm going to need two bikes for those two sort of scenarios? One for sort for of the, the, the urban stuff yeah. in Melbourne, and yeah. and one perhaps a bit more gnarly for this out here. But but riding this, I'm I'm sort of coming around. I think. The tire clearance is is making a big difference. Like yeah, that, yeah. This is running a, a forty four at the moment. Um, yeah. So so technically, it's forty five. You can clear, but I think some brands and some wheel combinations you go up to like a forty seven, forty eight. Um, as we know, different tire brands they're not all the same as how they fit on rims. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been really interesting for me riding this bike. Like I. Um, I feel much more confident coming down the the gravel here. Um, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 giving you that little bit of extra traction, um, and and yeah, riding it around Melbourne. I haven't put the the slicks on it yet. I'm keen to to give that a go, but it's yep. definitely, um, yeah, it's 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 a bit lighter than my my grail yep. that I was riding, and it you know it seems to you know the stem's a bit longer, the handling's a bit twitchier, the the handlebars you you've specced here are a little bit narrow. I think they're 40s. I was running yeah. 44s. So yeah. some of those little spec choices, um, yeah, can, I think they can go a long way, right? Yeah, and you could change those things to make it your own. Like you could you could put a little bit of a shorter stem, wider bars. Um, certainly something you you do do is if you are going to go shorter stem, sometimes it is best to go wider bars to keep that stability. Um, yeah, so I think it's something that people can do is, is, is you know, we, we can spec a bike like we think it should be, but how do you want it to be and how where do, where do you ride that makes it makes it your own of how you want to ride it? So um, I, I think, I think you know, there's, there's the stock where it starts, but then learning which way you want to pivot as you ride more is important. And you've been riding for a couple of years now, so you know – sort of what you want to get out of a bike and yeah yeah you learn a lot don't you and i think um as you say like you've just got to got to be willing to to change out some parts and if yeah. you're going somewhere so, so, new, would, so would you would you change tires yourself i would have i just never really sort of invested in, yeah. in a different set i think the max clearance on that frame was a 42 anyway yeah, so yeah, i didn't yeah. have a, a huge yeah. amount of room to go i, I yeah. chucked some slicks on it at one point um same tires but just sort of yeah. tubes and some slicks yeah. I think some 32s and yeah it it didn't deliver the sort of road back like feel yeah. that I yeah. was hoping that that other bike I'm yeah keen to see how this one one goes uh with the slicks yeah, on it as well. Yeah we certainly do that we can put some 32s on it and different wheels and see how it goes so mm. Let's uh, talk a little bit more specs and uh, sort of the range of bikes that you're you're offering at, yeah. at launch. Um, this is your uh, Force spec uh, bike. It's got a, a classified hub on it. Yep, um, yep. The classified's interesting. Is what is sort of the reasoning there? Uh, well, I, I always like to push the boundaries and push what's normal and what's not normal. So I'm always looking out for new opportunities or something new and different. So uh, that was pretty my <laughs> my doing to try it. Um, 
but it's just something that offers that that two by range uh and that tighter gear gear ratio at the rear cassettes um while still being in a one by format so it's a bit of a it's a combination of factors um i I think in gravel sometimes getting that gearing right is hard um, especially if you're riding varied terrain um I, I come from a one-by gravel background. That's what I've been predominantly riding for years. So I'm used to the slightly jumpier steps, but I also know that where I ride, I'm either going up or down. Yeah. I don't do a lot of flat. So so I don't notice that, you know. Whereas if you're someone else that rides a few road byways and a few flatlands in between, the two-by is great then for that. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's, it's a system like, there's there's things I like about it, and there's quirks that irk me a little bit, that you know that frustrate me a bit about it. So it's not for everyone, but I think it has its place, and I, hopefully we'll see it develop further, and they can improve on those little things and um, continue to be a good product. I reckon so. Yeah, it certainly has a lot of promise to sort of um, sort of meet that brief, right? Like all the benefits of one by with the the tighter gearing jumps that you get with two by. So yeah, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. The wheels are, are stunning. Um, can you tell us a bit about those? Yeah, so that, that's our own uh, our own house brand, Envisage. Um, these were some of the, the prototype ones that we've been developing. We've actually haven't standardized on these ones. We've gone with a different uh, rim shape. Um, but deep and wide, like we just, I think going wide, if you're running a road tire, um, you get a bit more of, uh, if you're, you get a bit more of an aero benefit out of it. Um, you get a lot of strength on a wide rim. Um, and so I, I think um, these are probably pushing the boundaries of what is normal for gravel. Cause the, what, what's the internal width you're running? Uh, they're 29 and 2. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty wide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they do, they, you know, we've run 35s on them, but that's pretty as low as you'd yeah. want to go. 35 then blows out to like 38 so it's kind of yeah pushing the boundaries a little bit of what's normal but i think running for them for these ideally you know running like a 44 on this sort of rim is is a good way to go um yeah have you found them i love the wheels yeah Yeah. they're they're (laughs) super light um yeah you notice the difference definitely yeah they roll pretty well um yeah do well and you've uh, you've gone with UDH for the the rear dropout or the, the yeah, derailleur yeah, hanger. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Shram paid us some money, so we no, no, no. no. It's it's a bit of a it's 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 in some ways when you're in the cycling industry, you got to follow trends a little bit. Um, but you can create your own, but you have to go where the market is going a little bit. So UDH means that people can run the new Shram transmission. Um, it also means you've got that benefit of having a, a universal derailleur hanger that's readily available. Um, they're a lot cheaper. Like they're only, you know, $28 Australian or something or $29, you know. They're, they're cheaper and they're easily available. So I think that's part, part of our big part of our philosophy. And this is the titanium. This is part of the UDH. This is part of the semi-internal cable routing here. It's a bike that's easy to live with. It's not a bike that's gonna cause you mechanic frustrations it's 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 yeah that's why we went that way so and the, the t47 bottom bracket as yeah well. yeah yeah threaded bottom brackets uh um the way to go i 
I, having worked in the bike industry, have dealt with many BB90s, BB30s, press fits, and they just don't last. Yeah, and and they don't last long working well. There's heaps of, I know there's heaps of solutions that you can kind of make them work better and things like that, but you end up just, um, yeah, getting headaches after a while. So, yeah. Let's talk crank length. Um, yeah. Interesting spec choice on this bike. It's 165 mil cranks, which is a, a big uh, drop from the 172.5s I've been used to riding. Um, it's, it's, only, it's only this much, though. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, maybe like, like it sounds like, like a lot. So it's seven mil. Like, like, is it much? Can you see it? I think you can feel it. Um, yeah, you can feel. You it, can yeah. definitely feel yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah. What What's the reasoning behind the short cranks? So uh, they're an Appleman cramp crank. So if you jump on um, the Appleman website, he's got a bunch of different info about why he chooses the shorter cranks. He actually runs one five fives a lot of the time now. Really short, which is pretty pushy. Again, when you're making stuff, you kind of push the boundaries of what's normal and then let everyone catch up later. <laughs> so so I, I think it's, it's it reduces knee bend is a big part of it. Um, and so it helps for a lot of us that we're not we're not elite cyclists. We, we are cyclists that ride two, 300 Ks a week maybe. Um, and so we want to be able to keep riding and, and, and be comfortable. Um, it does seem to affect the gearing. I don't know if you've found like it feels like it feels like I'm spinning a little bit more. So um, sometimes you might have to if you do go a shorter crank, you might have to gear up a little bit. I have to get a physicist on to explain yeah, that one to us, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a feeling, like because yeah, yeah. you're going a smaller circle, aren't you? Yeah. So sense, yeah. less yeah. leverage and and yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to put like, like, more... like, like like track bikes. They tend to not run short cranks. Because they need a big leverage to go out of the starting yeah. blocks. Yeah. Because um, they don't have any gears. We have gears, <laughs> so so we don't. If you're in the right gear, it's not a problem. So um, yeah, it's something we're experimenting with. And this bike for the show was a bit of a show of some of the things, whether it's the rims, you know, the, the classified hub, the the cranks. It's some things that we're experimenting with. I think that's the. The beauty of the handmade bike show, if anyone's been, is you get to see some of the stuff that companies uh, maybe haven't released yet or maybe just sort of teasing with. Dallying um, in, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's pushing the boundaries of what's seen as normal. But, um, yeah, that's part of the fun. Yeah, so maybe maybe primarily just a, a fit decision there. to, to Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I personally, I feel more comfortable on 175s, um, but that's partly because I've got quite long – I'm quite long in the legs, um, so that's different for someone else. Like like Jeff, for example, he's he's found these quite comfortable for him at a one six five. So um, yeah, we're all different. So <laughs> that's it. So what about the the other builds in the range? What sort of um, specs are you you popping on there? I think you've got a, a GRX two by on on one of them. What can what 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 else can people sort of get from you? Yeah, so we've both got Shimano and Tram. Um, in the, in the Shimano at the moment because this is an electronic only bike group set, so we've got a bit of a combination of either 105 or Tegra with a GRX crank um, two by, so you get the either 48 or the 46, 31, uh, and then we've also got in the SRAM we've got uh, the one by transmission, so that's with the 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 big 1052 at the back and the 
whatever size chambering you want at the front you know you can pretty up to about 46 i reckon stretching the boundary a bit but 42 44 is probably enough because um, of the 10 tooth at the back so um they're the main ones uh, I'm, I'm really keen to to try out that that tram transmission yeah, i think it looks quite, it's quite look, different on a rail bike yeah yeah it looks really interesting and i think the main uh selling point there is like shifting under load right like you yeah, can, yeah yeah you can shift confidently under load without that sort of grinding mm. that you get if you you haven't quite got your gear selection yeah. right yeah. Uh, before you hit the the steep pinches so um yeah i think i've heard one of the you know criticisms maybe from mountain bikers is that it it's a bit slow like i think yeah. it, the way it works is it waits for a particular point in your pedal stroke to yep. select when to to yep. shift but we were sort of talking about this this morning you, you don't see that as a big um barrier for for gravel uh, well I, I think a lot of the time you're anticipating things if you're you've done a bit of riding you're anticipating changes in terrain and you're getting ready the advantage then of the transmission is if you're stuffed up and you're in the wrong gear you can sh- shift a little bit slower but it will shift when you're putting a lot of torque through those pedals so i think you know there's wins and losses with the system um i think they've marketed it pretty heavily towards the e-bike market why they've tried to make it work under lots of torque but it doesn't mean gravel riders on non-e-bikes can use it um so yeah it's um it's it's got its wins and its losses but um it's certainly a pretty durable system yeah, I was, I was going to say it sort of seems like I think you can jump on Instagram and see people jumping on these oh, yeah, yeah. jumping on these derailers oh, yeah. and they don't bend a don't bend and they don't move they work perfectly fine so maybe maybe the durability aspect of it mm. is the the real advantage for for adventure gravel bikes and, and I think for a lot of people like they they will they either be a Shimano or a SRAM person whereas for myself I've always jumped between lots of different group sets and you're always trying different things so you you know like with the Shimano the shifting is it's the best shifting like it just shifts well whereas the tram it shifts very i'd say it's very precise with its shifting you know when you're in a gear which i actually think from a off off uh you know off grid or off um off-road perspective is a better thing because you want to net those clean shifts you don't want to feel like this chain's about to drop you know you want it to be just i know where i'm in that gear um, it's very deliberate, isn't it? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. That, that's heavy click and a heavy, yeah, heavy gear change. Yeah. So that's the big difference. If you haven't ridden SRAM, if you've come from a Shimano background, it's a big difference you'll find if you move to that. So I want to ask you a little bit about what it's like to to start a new bike company. Like you, you've come at this a couple of guys probably having the the discussions that most riders will have when they <laughs> head out with their mates, right? Like you, you talk about your bikes, you go, like, what would I change? What would I fiddle with? Yeah. You've taken that next step and, yeah. and started the company. Has it been a, a challenging ride? Like have you had to, what are the things you've had to overcome that perhaps you didn't anticipate? Yeah, I think one of the biggest learnings for me is is, um, is learning to deal with different suppliers and learning to bring all the pieces together. We, we have overseas suppliers, but they're all assembled in Croydon. So we, we sort of, you know, trying to find the right connections, the suppliers that give the the good QC, the good product, can sort of help you. Easy to communicate. Like communication is a big thing. Um, so that that's been a process, and we're still learning that. Um, um, and also, like we're only two, so we're not a lot of people. So you kind of wear different hats. Like you know, you're dealing with your suppliers, then you're dealing with your dealers, you're dealing with podcast people <laughs> dealing with other marketing things like there's lots of different things that you're trying to do yeah. um 
so I, I think I think trying to juggle that's been a bit of a challenge. But um, I think Jeff and I bring different perspectives to it, um, and sometimes we'll test each other and we'll try new ideas, and the other person go, oh, not, I don't think it's quite there yet, or you know, likewise. So you kind of you have this good sort of I guess brainstorming sessions. Um, we've had several over the, the sort of year and a half. Um, just yeah, throwing long phone calls, throwing different ideas out there, throwing them out for a bit, letting them sit, and then either keeping them or throwing them out with the bathwater. So um, I think it's kind of the great thing about these small companies, right? Like small yeah. companies doing doing boutique sort of bikes, you get that opportunity. You're never gonna. You're never going to see bigger companies take the risks on some of these things, but you've yeah. got an opportunity to, yeah. to be a bit more flexible perhaps. And it's a balance of, I think I was talking before, of bringing something to market that's that's new and innovative but isn't too far out that people go, nah, it's too too scary. So I think I think you kind of got to hold, hold back on a few ideas. Well, I do. Hold back on a few ideas, keep them for later and um, – Bring some, bring some good things, but also some normal things. Because <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about that because you know it's a boutique sort of industry, the boutique market yeah, you're, yeah, you're targeting, yeah. and you yeah. know there's some there's some established players in the the titanium bike space, even in Melbourne. You know you've yeah. got Curve and and Circa are, are pumping out bikes. So yep. um, yeah, what what is sort of Simpatico's vision for for being a point of difference there? Yeah, I think a big part of what we're we're wanting to offer bikes that are easy to live with, that uh, have some colorways to them that are are different to just a raw titanium bike. Um, And we're also wanting to, I guess, offer them at a a price point that's a bit more achievable for people. You know, they're still a high price bike, but um, I think if, if we do our due diligence and making sure that we're getting a good quality product, um, but doing it in a way that's not going to, you know, you have to sp- spend 15, 20 grand on it. You know, you can spend eight, ten grand on it. So it's, it's still a lot of money. And especially at the moment, it's a lot of coin for people. But, um, yeah, the, the, the other, the other way, I mean, we haven't done any of these yet, but, you know, um, if you've got a tired carbon bike and you want to give it a refresh and you've got a good group set, a good set of wheels, um, we got we got some frames, so I mean that's that's another way of in this in you know the in the current climate of, of where we're at at the moment in the world. I think it's a good way of giving your bike a refresh and new bike day. <laughs> yeah, excellent, and a lower entry point to titanium. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I th- I think you know we, we we offer some similar things, but some different things as well. Um, we, we've tried to make this this M one. It's a bike that is is gets enough clearance, has enough compliance, but it feels sporty enough. Like it's got four twenty five rear chain stays, so not super long, um, but still can clear up to forty five, forty seven ish sort of tires. So I think I think trying to keep that balance of fun and agility. <laughs> But also, yeah, comfortable enough on a descent. I good. think that's what people are looking for. A lot of yeah. people are looking for out of their gravel bike, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah, what they want. They yeah. still want it to be a fun, sporty, sporty ride. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes you'll go on rides and you just look, just want to hit some different trails, and you try try different trails, and maybe they're not quite as smooth as what you anticipated. So you you need something that's going to have that versatility. Um, but also, you know, it, like we said before, if you want to set it up as a road bike, you need to be able to it feel. Like it accelerates well, that it feels um, stable enough at high speeds. Um, 
So I think those things are always a balancing act. So <laughs> and I don't say we get it perfect. Like I think there's there's no even though we have marketed as an N one, I think and there's no bike that can do everything. Yeah. Uh, but but knowing where you live, where you like to ride on holidays, you know, is is a good place to start. So. And you've had some interest from from bike shops in in getting the frame in. Yeah, yeah, we've got a few dealers that we're we're working on relationships with. So, um, trying to network. So, if any bike shops listening, give us a hoy. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of custom builders as well. That sort of genre of bike shops as well. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah. What's next? You've, this is the the first bike in the range. Obviously, have you got plans to to expand and and deliver a few different options for people? Yeah, we never stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I was riding with you today. That's that's a bike that we're prototyping at the moment. So, um, and then there's another at least two in the works as well. So, but it's a process. Like I've got this bike. I've only built it up a week ago. I'll give it a good six months testing before we even think about moving forward with it. So I think that that's part of what we want to do is actually really test products in the real world. Yeah, um, test different things on them as well. So. Um, yeah, there's more stuff around the corner. Um, we might tease some stuff early next year. We'll see how we go. So, excellent. So we we talked a bit earlier about the the Northern Grodies ride and the sort of diversity of of gravel bikes you see there, and you see it all across the country. I right? like these little communities. There's one down here on the Surf Coast, the Otway yeah. Panther Gravel Collective. Yeah. Um, you know, regularly organising rides and, and building community around gravel. Yeah. Um, where do you? Where do you sort of see Simpatico fitting in into that, and and are you able to to contribute to that community the way you, the, with what you're building? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's what we're aiming. We're aiming to be a, a, a gravel or road brand. I think um, you know, like on those rides, you see people on different rigs, on hardtails, on two point six inch tires, on. 35s, 38s, whatever they want to ride. Um, I think the beauty of gravel cycling is it brings people from different worlds. You've got your your keen road cyclists that are delving into gravel. You've got your people that haven't been a cyclist that are jumping in. And you've also got your mountain bikers that are coming in there as well. So I think it, it brings all those groups together and and um, it enables lots of people to ride different things. And that's okay. Like And so I think like for looking ahead with the bikes that we offer, they're going to be diverged on that. So, you know, there'll be bikes that might clear bigger tyres. There'll be bikes that have might have more integration or aero elements or uh, be a bit more sporty in, the, in their geometry. Um, so I, I think it's diverse. And also the age. Like, I don't know if you've seen some of those rides. You'll have people in their, you know, early 20s riding those rides. You'll have people in their 60s, 70s. Those old guys seem to be able to ride a lot. I don't know. They just have all this time. <laughs> the time, I think, is <laughs> no, probably, no. probably the answer. There's some right? fit old guys out there, but um, but I, I think that's that's a real good thing. I think I think diversity of ages, diversity of backgrounds, and people that come to it um, is what gravel cycling is about. I think it's great, and like I think I've said this before on the podcast, but you know, when I first started riding, road cycling definitely has that sort of unapproachable nature sometimes, whereas yeah. um. You know, it's a bit clicky, you know, where are you going to fit in? But gravel, it's it's easy to find a community of, of like-minded yeah. people, you yeah. know, diverse community, but but people who are all into the same things that, that you're into, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. getting out there exploring and, uh, yeah. yeah, just having a good time with, with, with people who have similar interests. So. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's certainly something we need 
and I think it's something that we should keep going. Excellent. Brandon, thanks very much for uh, coming on the podcast. Thanks very much for uh, getting me out of a pickle after I crashed my Kenya Grail into the, the carport and uh, shed, a, shed a single tear about that one. But um, you guys jumped to the rescue pretty quick and uh, hooked me up uh, with an interim solution to, to get me through this summer at least. And yeah, really grateful. Uh, where can people uh, follow you along? Are you on Instagram? Yeah, on Instagram. Uh, our website's there. Give us a call. Drop in. Say hi. Um, yeah, we're around. Excellent. Thanks very much for coming on the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast and thanks for making the effort to, to come down here to Moggs Creek. Oh, and uh, awesome. like, like, I, I don't get to come down this part of the world very often. Um, and it's it's coast, but it's different. And you know, the, the bush out there is amazing. So if anyone wants to go for a gravel ride, come down. Yeah, you can stay in uh, Anglesey or, or Aries Inlet. or um, going to offer you a house. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, jump on Airbnb. I'm sure you can find a solution. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, really, really chuffed that you, you made the effort to come down. It was great to go for a ride with you this morning and uh, share a bit of uh, this beautiful, beautiful place with you. Yeah, we'll do it again. Great. Thanks, Brandon. Cheers. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed that, whether you listen to it right here on the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast feed or over on YouTube. If you, yeah, if you haven't had a chance yet, please jump over to YouTube. Give us a view. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Uh, that would go a long way to helping people find the podcast. Uh, other ways you can help support us is give us a follow on Instagram uh, or you can also become a supporter of the show. There's a link down there in the show notes. Um, yeah, we'd really appreciate anything that you're able to provide. As always, you can get in contact with us either via Instagram or at our email, thegravelcyclingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next time on the Gravel Cycling Australia podcast. <laughs>